It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Trump's mean tweets have got nothing on Joe Biden telling everyone that 80 million people who are not vaccinated for COVID are the reason we have a pandemic. Well, open season on non-vaxxed people. There are several reasons for why they're not vaxxed. We'll go into it. This is an attempt to obscure his disastrous bug out from Afghanistan. Remember, he wanted that photo op for September 11th. And here is what must be the most illegal letter for religious exemption for COVID I have ever seen. And I've seen Washington state's policy. And emergency declarations must be ended by legislatures of all the states in order to get us past this this autocracy that we're seeing develop. And Larry Elder, the lead opponent to Gavin Newsom, is the subject of a racist attack. And there's a new movie about Gavin Newsom ahead of Tuesday's recall election. It's all coming up on the Adult in the Room podcast. So let's get to it. Uh, Joe isn't hiding it anymore. A guy who, as a senator, headed the Judiciary Committee, can't remember much, certainly not the Constitution, in a speech saying that he's really going to get very, very angry with people who don't get COVID shots. This was his rationale. This is not about freedom or personal choice. That's right. It's not about freedom. It's not about personal choice. That's the dumbest thing, the most dangerous thing I think I've heard a president say since George W. Bush said he had to ruin the economy to save it. Okay, here's what George Bush really said in the face of the 2008 housing market meltdown brought on by, hey, let's not forget the arbitragers and their rating services on Wall Street. Here's what George said. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system, to make sure that the economy doesn't collapse. And then we bailed out a bunch of companies that probably should have failed. And after all, regular Americans were getting failed, hoisted on that petard, so why not the big boys? That's another topic for another day. But I'll tell you one thing. What George W. Bush said was dumb, but it wasn't unconstitutional. Joe's rationale is mere sand. The tide is coming in. And the people who pretended that Trump's mean tweets were horrible are cheering Biden as he declared open season on the millions of, as he called them, confused people who haven't been vaccinated for any number of reasons. Like maybe they've already had COVID, for example. And then he blamed the pandemic on them. Oh, yes, he did. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, he said. Now, just hold up there a second. There are unvaccinated people, true. And they are being hit hard by the Delta variant, true. And maybe they'll be hit hard by all the other variants unleashed behind it, thanks to, as it was confirmed this week, the CDC-funded gain-of-function research at that Wuhan lab and the military side of it, And maybe it'll transmit more highly to them. But vaccinated people are getting it. And vaccinated people are dying from it. Look at the statistics the whole world looks to. Joe mentioned the U.S. statistics from the summer. We have a longitudinal study, if you will, a survey of the real-time stats from the U.K. because they've been keeping better stats than we have. And they are more vaccinated than we are. And we are finding and seeing that the death rate has been climbing, climbing, climbing in a population of people 
that is 86% vaccinated with at least one vaccine and 80% with two. Instead of acknowledging this, Joe goes on a rant to use the shot to pit people against each other. We're going to do it all together, Joe said. Get vaccinated. Well, you can't do both. Those are mutually exclusive because he's othering those people. He is saying that they are to blame while saying that, hey, let's get together. Let's, if you just do what I say. Well, the American people aren't built like that. Just FYI. And there are a variety of reasons why Americans are not getting this shot. And I'll go through most of them during this uh, podcast. And I'll bring you an interview with a man who developed the mRNA technology who has some thoughts about this and what he knows and how he reads the data. And he reads data better than I do. So I'm going to just go with this dude. So at the same time, 80 million Americans are going to lose their jobs, according to Joe. That's what he said. They'll lose their jobs if they don't get the shot, if they don't get a test once a week. He's leaving out the possibility that the test is. And he's, and he's you know, raising his cane and he's shaking it at the people. He's getting very, very angry. He's not done one concrete step to actually accomplish this at this point. He's using bullying and coercion to do this. He's using other people to carry out a verbal, gee, I'd like to do that. He's not had the force of Congress, the force of any legislators behind this because he wants to do it by fiat. And that, my friends, is unconstitutional. You cannot force someone to take a shot against their will. That is unconstitutional. People do have a right to their own body. And they also have a right under uh, Title VII, as well as, I mean, their own case law, which includes the Americans with Disabilities Act. The mere perception, as Robert Barnes likes to point out, the perception, the American Disabilities Act carries with it a tenet of its things that it covers. And it's this. If an employer perceives you to have a disability and then does something to to get in the way of your employment. That is an abrogation of the ADA. So you know that employers are now literally being told to treat people who are not vaccinated as if they were other kinds of people with a, sim- a certain kind of disability. They refuse to get vaccinated for a variety of very legitimate reasons, which I'll go into. So Joe said... Uh, he's going to depart, uh, sick the Department of Labor to go after employers who don't enforce employees into shots or weekly testing. He's going to do that. They're coming up with an emergency ordinance. I think we need to rethink emergency ordinances right now, folks. State legislatures, legislatures uh, in, within the confines of our Congress, those people are legislators. We need to involve these people and we need to pull back and get rid of or at least curtail the kinds of emergency powers these people have because they are eating up people's freedom. They are eating it up. Department of Labor to go after employers, Department of Educators to go after governors like Ron DeSantis, because let's face it, this whole thing is about 2024, 2022 midterms. That, that is what this is. And they wanted to change the subject from the disastrous pullout from Afghanistan and all the thousands of people who are at the whim of the Taliban that we left behind. 
Now I sound a little bit more excited today. I try to be chill, but that's what's going on. And I'm just not going to whitewash it. I'm not going to whitewash it like they whitewashed the story about Larry Elder being the subject of a racist attack in Venice Beach, California this week. I'll tell you about that in a minute. So, okay, the TSA is going to be deployed to further more mask restrictions and double penalties for people who refuse to wear a mask, etc. This at the same time, now just just check this out. I'm going to tell you something. 20 years ago, the TSA did not exist. Can we just agree there? And why do we have the TSA? Because the Taliban worked with Al-Qaeda to hijack airplanes, to fly them into buildings like the Pentagon, like the World Trade Centers, because they were bringing things on board they should, they should not have had. They had box cutters. They used the actual planes as weapons. And what have they done now? Five of the people who were traded for Bo Bergdahl are in leadership in the Afghanistan government right now. The same people. Well, where's Mullah Omar? Is that dude dead yet? The same people who started it ended up with Afghanistan after Joe got done with it. And we gave them billions and we gave them weaponry. And he wants the TSA to enforce mask mandates. He just let those people out. The southern border is open for all manner of bad person to come over. Maybe they're loaded up with more COVID. Hey, maybe it's another biological agent from the Wuhan lab, the military division of the Wuhan lab. Who knows? This is a huge decoy. He wanted a photo op for September 11th. He, I'm out of Afghanistan. Dur, 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 20, 20 years hence, we're out. 20 years to the day that the Taliban worked with Al-Qaeda to, and Saudi Arabia to, and Iran to fly those planes into our buildings and kill multiple people to the extent that they would rather jump out of a window 102 stories up than be burned up by jet fuel. And we're supposed to have the TSA mandate masks and or double penalties for those. First principles, people. Get down to first principles. We can't let any of this other Falderall get in the way of the dozens and dozens and dozens of lawsuits that are legitimately being filed against these mandates. And because they're based not on science science, they're based, based on political science. Now, Joe has signed nothing. He's done nothing yet. He's hoping to let's stay together, get vaccinated, as he destroys and distributes his poison to separate us and divide us as an American people. That is what he is doing. And what about the, the uh, heart issues now, for example, that people are suffering from? And who says that having a third shot, if you've already had it, let's say people who have had COVID, people who have had COVID, and now they're demanded by the president to have a series of shots. That's a third shot. Now we're talking about boosters, a third shot. Now check this out. 
guess what? That'll actually screw up your immunity to COVID. There's a body of evidence, some of it coming from Israel, that if you have a third booster shot, or if you have natural immunity after having COVID, and you are forced to have two more shots, your natural immunity is blown up. And indeed, the immunity provided by the first shot of the series is blown up as well. Now, don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. How about Dr. Robert Malone? He's the inventor, co-inventor of the mRNA technology. Those are the shots. Those are the gene therapy shots that we're pretending are vaccines and totally uh, separate from what we understand vaccines to be. Although I will say that my colleague over at PJ Media, Matt Margolis, did a story about how the CDC has changed the definition of vaccine to accommodate these mRNA injections. So bookmark that one. Go find it. Now, Malone says he believes these vaccines have saved lives. He's shot up, but he ain't getting no booster. Here he is talking about the fact that the injections have saved lives, but... There was recognition that this new data coming out of Israel, as I recall, um, demonstrated that the term that's often used is natural immunity. Uh, It's an odd term, uh, um, but it's now in common language. And what that means is protection afforded by having been infected and recovered from infection which will generate a broad immune response. And it's now been shown in that paper and others that the breadth of that immune response in terms of T and B cell memory populations is more diverse and more long-lasting than the breadth of immune response elicited by the spike-based vaccines alone. Um, And then those data showed that you're alluding to is that this natural immunity is not only broader and more durable, which contradicted some studies that the CDC had developed. So we were in kind of tension, um, which is the real data, the CDC data, or these other papers that evaluated memory T and B populations. Um, you know, which which is true. We have multiple truths or multiple uh, pieces of data in different groups claiming uh, one way or the other. And then this data dropped about the uh, evidence of protection. And uh, it seems to indicate, uh, consistent with the claims that the breadth and uh, durability of uh, the immune response was superior with the natural infection and recovery. There's also evidence that there's a significant, depending on the time frame, six to 20-fold improvement in uh, protection from infectious infection and disease associated with the uh, natural immunity uh, acquired from prior infection compared to that conferred by the vaccine. Now, this is the vaccine technology that this guy, Dr. Malone, came up with But where is the CDC? They're still shoveling stuff that is based on political science, not science science. And what's the public supposed to do with this? What are you going to do? Believe the people who funded the research lied about it 
told the, the research into the, the actual COVID sickness, the virus. They told you that masks didn't work. What are you doing with a mask? That's PPE. Those are people for hospitals. They don't work. Then they told you they did. And then they made them mandatory based on nothing. I should say some science, I suppose, exists that masks will help. If you're sneezing out all over the place, they'll help. Absolutely. It won't necessarily prevent the COVID virus from getting into your mask. But hey, okay, all right. But it doesn't stop it. And neither does the vaccine. Here is Dr. Malone. The public in their social contract with uh, the public health agencies is faced with the situation where they had been told uh, that natural immunity was not as protective, uh, that they can't rely on that, that if you've been previously infected, you should still get both doses of vaccine, uh, that this vaccination would provide broad, durable protection. Um, It would protect you and it would protect your elders uh, from uh, you potentially spreading disease to them. Now, those things have all come into question. And, And I think the population is still reeling from that. And here's another problem. Now they're telling you you'll have to have another shot, the third shot. People in vaccine research believe this is unethical because it would boomerang on people. Two of the leaders, the top two leaders at the FDA, have turned in their resignations because the vaccine policies are now taken over by the CDC. And this part of it is unethical with this discussion of the boosters. You know, they said, oh, the boosters, we've got to have a booster. We got to because because the vaccinations don't have long term coverage for covid. That's the reason they're talking about a booster. It's because the vaccines will not prevent the disease. They'll make it less terrible. They will not prevent them. Okay. People in vaccine research say the third shot will boomerang and cause high zone tolerance. And that begins, quote unquote, quenching the immune response that was brought out in the first shot. Here's Dr. Malone again talking about just that. So there was a pivotal interview with the director of the CDC and she was asked, do we have any data? You know, do we have data or do we just have hope about the benefits of the third dose? And um, she, to her credit, acknowledge that we don't have data. All we have is hope. Here's the problem with that, is that vaccine responses are not linear. More is not better. Um, There are many cases where if you dose more or dose more frequently or move beyond a prime and a boost, you can actually quench the immune response. So you can move into, it's called high zone tolerance. You can move into a situation in which your um, immune responses drop. Now, there's a a little bit of foreshadowing on this in another paper that's out where they looked at the effects of vaccination post-infection. Remember, this was the policy that those like me that have been infected um, should go ahead and take 
two jabs, take two doses of vaccine. Which you did. Which I did. Yeah. Hoping that it would be helpful for long COVID. That data hasn't really played out that way. And there's a paper showing that you can actually quench T-cell responses. You get an improved kind of a super immune response in that manuscript, they assert, um, after um, a single dose when you've been previously infected. But with the second dose, you're T-cell population actually gets quenched, which is consistent with high zone tolerance. So if that paper was to be expanded and and, uh, verified with more robust numbers, it would suggest that one dose after natural infection would be a good thing. Two doses would be a bad thing. Now, that's kind of the equivalent of three doses. If you think about it, natural infection being dose number one. So To say that we don't have any data, I think, is a little misleading. We have some leading indicators that suggest that it might not be such a good idea. Now, those data will come out from Israel. And I think the conservative position to take is time will tell. So here we have people who say, I don't need a, why do I get vaccinated? I've already had it. And they have better immune response and better immune coverage. The vaccines only cover the T-cell protein, not all of the other parts of the COVID virus, where you get that from immune response that was brought upon getting the disease. Now, so that's one reason why people, millions of people, millions of people have had this. Do you understand? Millions of people have had this. And they don't count those people in the stats as having been vaccinated, if you will. They haven't counted them. Why? Because it's about vaccination levels that they can count. I don't know why. I follow the money. They're also disputing the therapeutics that people have found from hydrochloroquine to uh, ivermectin and that sort of thing. All at the same time, and really fear-mongering around it, scare-mongering around it. You know, it's, <clears throat> it's not the poison, it's the dose. The media have dis- discussed and dismissed the ivermectin situation as something that's, a you know, the horse dewormer thing. I'm sure it can be used as horse deworming. Indeed, it is. And then smaller doses can be used for therapeutics for human beings, which have been in existence forever. Hydrochloroquine, used forever. But the pharmaceutical companies don't make money from that. And I hate to just sort of rely on that as a, it's just a trope. Well, they just want to do it to make money. Well, it may interest you to know that they're coming up, these uh, Pfizer and et cetera, have, are coming up with therapeutics that include both of the best elements of ivermectin and uh, hydrochloroquine in their therapeutics. So, so we're crazy, but they're not. So having natural immunity, one reason why millions of people would not want to get the vaccine. Why would you do that? And by the way, it, it ruins your natural immunity because it then begins to uh, make more and more the spike proteins. And, and crowding out the natural immunity have. At least that's the way it's been explained to me. Let's just assume that's true. Why would you do it if you have, you know, like I had, a, I had chicken pox as a kid. 
I may need a booster in my late age because I don't want to get shingles. I might get the shingle shot. Okay, I might do that so that it because it's a latent uh, virus. I don't know what I don't rather don't think that the COVID virus is a latent virus. But nevertheless, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there we are. Okay. If you've got natural immunity, you don't need another shot. I would say chickenpox is probably the, that's the exception, not the rule. It is the exception which proves the rule. Okay. So that's a huge reason why. Other people have a religious objection to it. Because let's be honest, this is not fake news. Two families of fetal cell lines are being used to create these vaccines, quote unquote vaccines, these therapeutics or whatever we're calling the mRNA injections, this, the shots, two families of them. They're old stem cell lines, but they are indeed being used. Now, I don't care if they were families of fetal cell tissue from aborted fetuses, which they were. If from the 1980s, if, you know, oh, well, that's so old. Well, you know, well, guess what? There's still aborted fetuses from which we derive these cells. That doesn't make these people crazy. That makes them people of conscience. And they may say no to the shot based on that. It's okay. It is okay. Washington State has a ridiculously stupid religious exemption form that you're supposed to fill out. Now, it's got two questions, and the second question is, if you have received, yes or no, have you received a vaccine as an adult? As if to say, you've had a vaccine, therefore you're not afraid of vaccines. And so, therefore, ipso facto, you don't get an exemption. They're, they're doing these religious exemptions so that they can say no to you. And they're making them so that it's, a, it's based on their belief of your religious, your religious objections, not your belief of your religious exemptions. Isn't that, a, or objections, I should say. That's amazing, isn't it? Well, I have the most illegal, the most illegal religious exemption form from a large institution that I have ever seen. I have sent it to now three groups of people who I believe should bring lawsuit. I've got a I've got a email out to Cedar Sinai because it's their form. It is astonishing. Here it is. Some of the questions. Describe in detail your beliefs, practices, or observances that support your request for religious accommodation. What's the name of your religion? What's the membership in your particular church? What is the nature of your beliefs, practices, and observances? I got news for you. They can't ask stuff like that. Because it's not whether they think you have a particular religious objection based upon your religious beliefs, which may differ from the guy sitting next to you. It's not their ability to do that. It is your definition of your religious beliefs. But it gets worse. That, I mean, it gets worse. Where and how 
do you adhere to these beliefs, practices, and observances? Okay, so they want to know your church building. And then when did you first begin to embrace these beliefs? Whether your beliefs, practices, and observances have strengthened or diminished over time? And if so, why? That is no business of theirs. What I understand that these are helpful questions. If you want to be someone who's trying to do a study on people of religious values, but it's none of their business. How is Cedar Sinai's policies or procedures conflicted with your beliefs? Whether you have a spiritual leader, if so, whether he or she has addressed the issue for which you are requesting accommodation. We would like a list, please, of all the pastors and rabbis and other people in your particular religious adherence and the people, your collection, your family of believers. We want a list of those people. If you're making this request for the first time, blah, blah, blah. Please explain why you're doing it at this time. Anyway, uh, that was the worst of it. Well, gee, we'd like very much your where you go to church. I mean, the only thing they didn't ask is a note from the pastor, which would be illegal, too, by the way. These people are they're shameless. They are shameless. That is illegal. I've asked Robert Barnes, Harmeet Dillon, and who else did I send this to? Huh, I'm forgetting. I got sent this particular information from a person whose family member is going to lose their job because they're asking for a religious accommodation and she knows that she will be denied because somehow she's going to screw up on this accommodation request form. And they'll go, oh, gee, you know what? Yeah, you just adhered to these beliefs, so you can't have a religious accommodation because we've decided that you have no basis for your religious accommodation. Because, you know, it just happened. Or it happened five years ago. And we don't like that. You know what I mean? You can drive a truck through this thing. And it's so intrusive. And it's so coercive. (sighs) I'm sorry, I got really riled up on that. I got really riled up. But wait, there's more. Larry Elder is a black man who's being called a white racist by the left because they have no mores, morals, or values. Their only value is power. Their only value is that they amass more of it. So I'm not, I'm just, it's no holds barred. Usually I like to, you know, I kind of joke around a little bit. It's so obvious, right, that these people are soulless and that there's a double standard. And it's just true. But now, Larry Elder, Larry Elder is, who's being depicted as a white racist, even though he's black, who grew up in South Central Los Angeles, is being attacked in Venice, California. And this whole incident has been whitewashed by the media, the mainstream media, not, not people like me. They've, and they've depicted it and reduced it and dismissed it as a mere egg attack that somebody threw an egg at him. And it was a woman or someone next to the woman with a gorilla mask on talking to a black man. Oh, okay. Attacking his security team. Thank God he had some. 
and one of his security team was struck multiple times. Another sidled up and literally made death threats, threatening this guy, one of his security people, and then allowed this guy to get hit. They roughed him up. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Listen to it for yourself, but you will need your Kevlar earmuffs for it. The racist and threatening attack on Larry Elder and his entourage, one of whom was squared up on and threatened and struck several times, several times. This thing was shocking. It was stunning. We shouldn't be shocked, you guys. Antifa does this. They're now getting into the... Uh, they're now becoming the uh, the mask mandate police. This is entirely foreseeable. Ronald Reagan said, don't be afraid to see what you see. That is what is going on here. We are seeing the left consolidate and become the autocrats and the tyrants that they are and always have been. They've been held at bay by a free by people willing to be free and to say so out loud. They have been held off by people who believe that, you know what, I think that guy's a nut, but I do believe that he has a right to be nutty. Now it's all gone. It's it's collapsing. It's not there wholly yet, but it is collapsing. They want you to think as Joe Biden does, that there's no way to fight it. You're all by yourselves. We have the entire panoply of the political apparatus coming after you because of this this pandemic. We are going to use every instrument of government to come after you. You have no choice. You are a a little bottle, a little message. And you're being flown out to sea on every single wave. That's what he wants you to think. And this is the time when you need to stand up. They're saying, oh, well, you know, Larry Elder's black, and but so what? Barack Obama just came in and did a commercial of him. And they're talking about, you know how they, they demonize the individuals? Have you ever seen those pictures? of a demonic Jesus that for whatever reason, uh, crazy people put out there, ah, Jesus, he looks demonic. Ah. That's what they did to Larry Elder. You know, it's just, it's what they do. It's the black and white, high graphic. And here's Barack Obama in living color and next to the black and white Larry Elder. And here's one black man, the first president of the United States, 
saying that, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't elect Larry Elder. <laughs> He's terrible. <laughs> Who would become the first person of color as governor of California ever? I mean, it is just astonishing. I'm laughing because it's just these people have no they have no morals. It's win at all costs. They don't care that they're lying and using double standards and pretending that they care about racism and all. All they care about is otherism. They just don't want you to have the power, I guess. I mean, I hate to say it's just power, but I think that's really what it boils down to. I've heard people say this for years and years, and I go, oh, really? Is it just about power? <laughs> they have to be in charge or it doesn't count. So I guess that's power, isn't it? Kyle Smith over at the New York Post put the uh, whitewashing of the Larry Elder story uh, like this. If this had been a black or if this had been a black Democrat. And someone in a gorilla mask confronted him. And then his entourage and a security detail were overtly threatened and slapped around and roughed up. And then an egg almost hit the candidate. You'd say, they'd say, the Democrats would say, well, oh, oh, I don't know. Uh, Rachel Maddow, I write here, Kyle Smith over at the New York Post. Rachel Maddow and Don Lemon would be doing hour-long broadcasts on the attack, convening panels, discussing just how the attack pulls the scab off racism in America and proves we have so much work left to do in dealing with this problem, the unsolvable problem. That's what I added there. Vox would commission a series about California's grim history of racism dating back to the Chinese Exclusion Act. And Asian American and Latino writers would hasten to explain that California's historic hostility to all sorts of persons of color is as traditional as the Tournament of Roses parade. 3,000 word essays about the brutal unknown history of lynchings in the Golden State would be published in the Atlantic and or the New Yorker. Al Sharpton, exhibiting a combination of exhaustion and despondency, would be a guest on a half a dozen cable TV shows. The woman uh, who threw the egg at Larry Elder, who had the, the gorilla mask on, would find her picture, her name, and everything she'd ever said on social media, scrutinized at great length on the home pages of the leading news sites. Her, her appearance would be mocked by late night comedians. Dozens of reporters would be sent out to learn the woman's story, to check out where she lived, and then they tell, okay, so enough about Kyle Smith. So now we're not in favor of all that, but what Kyle Smith is trying to do is express the duplicity and the double standard. Okay. Even the L.A. Sheriff, Alex Villanueva, Villanueva, who uh, is not one of my favorite people, he says, wait, how is this not a hate crime? He's a law enforcement officer. He's the L.A. County law enforcement officer. How is this not a hate crime? Because woke, he said, question, how is this not a hate crime? Answer, because woke privilege means a white woman can wear a gorilla mask and attack a black man without fear of being called a racist. And that's exactly right. You know, when they talk about white supremacism is, uh, is the biggest national security threat we have, I would agree because most of the people in Antifa, if not, I mean, the overwhelming number of people in Antifa are white. Uh, Also not reported. I just found this out. I found this on TMZ. Someone also fired a pellet gun Wednesday, hitting one of Larry Elder's staffers. They shot at him. Sure, it's a pellet gun. Does that... Does that somehow diminish what happened there? Someone drew down on a human being in Larry Elder's entourage and said that they, oh, I'm going to take a shot. Someone thought that was okay. Are we really serious about this? A governor's candidate 
entourage next to Larry Elder in his entourage somewhere in Venice Beach drew down and fired a pelican and we're okay with this? Why is that not in any of the other stories? Cal, I'm just, I am just over it, people. I am over it. If Elder were a Democrat, we'd be told there was a vast, wide-ranging racist plot to stop California from electing its first black governor, writes Kyle Smith, and he's absolutely right. Postscript. A Venice councilwoman has filed hate crime charges with the LAPD against those protesters. Good. It'll go nowhere. We all know. We, we know the story. You know, the thing that they've said, the left has said for all these decades and said, well, recent, recently, well, you know, the people in power are the ones who are the, in, the dangerous ones. The people in power, they're the ones who are, you know, they're the man. This is going to go nowhere because the man in L.A. is left. Who's, who, who's the D.A. in L.A. County? Gascon. He's as far left as any of the rest of them. He's, he is a hand-picked George Soros lackey. He's the guy letting people out of prisons. He's the guy who's done any number of things, let people out on bail to commit other heinous crimes while awaiting trial. No bail. Well, you know, no bail, no problem. Well, the re-election, or I'm sorry, did I say re-election? Oh, God help us. The recall election against Governor Hairgel is happening on Tuesday. And unions and Democrats and Hollywood and big tech have flooded the coffers with $75 million to help out Gavin Newsom. Why? Because he keeps them in power. He represents their quote-unquote values flooded the zones with mail ballots going to people who haven't lived in these particular addresses for sometimes years flooded the zone and oh by the way there's one for that person who lived there 10 years ago and another one for that one who lived there a year ago and there's another one for that one who lived there uh, months ago and then there's another one and then they get others at their new addresses see the way the game's played folks that's how it works Maybe those ladies who were caught stealing those ballots out of the apartment building, they had the master keys and they came in, they stole all the ballots. Now, why do you suppose they did that? And what about that guy with the 300 ballots in his car? I'm just, cur- I'm just curious, just asking the question. Of course they're going to fill out the ballots and vote them. Come on, they're not checking. They're not doing signature checking, people. They're not doing that because we have an emergency because it's a pandemic. That's what's happening. It's all interrelated. And it's all about power. Documentary about Newsom's corruption has been produced. And here's an excerpt. By the way, cue the sad music. The lockdowns, not following the data. He's done what was politically beneficial versus what made the most sense. In responding to uh, some types of emergencies, there is uh, a greater role for the executive branch. But what Gavin Newsom was doing was something altogether different. He was creating new policy by fiat. He was ruling the state by decree. He had usurped the powers of the legislature and completely undermined the separation of powers, which is the foundation uh, of our system of government. It's a different kind of dictatorship. It's not a crazy guy waving a sword threatening to cut people's heads off. It's, it's, it's like a python. It's a slow squeeze till they squeeze all the freedoms out of you. Okay, until next time, remember this. 
Joe Biden wants you shot up and gagged with a mask, but not the predicted million people from south of the border and Afghanistan he's letting in. He lets them in and then blames you for the pandemic. We're in a world of hurt, but you got to stand up. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe, follow, rate five stars, and give me a great review over at your favorite podcast outlets, Apple, Google, and Spotify, to name the big boys. And follow me on social media. I'm over at Parlor, MeWe, Minds, Facebook, and Twitter, at Victoria Taft. Don't forget the Adult in the Room podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Adult in the Room podcast, except Twitter only has room for the Adult in the, Adult in the, at Adult in the fine. It works. Get in touch with me at Victoria at victoriataft.com. Editing, mastering, advertising, technical support, and understanding for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. The music is gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for the case of Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by RC, and it is used by permission. Find RC on all social sites at Raps by RC, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram at Raps by RC. Imaging for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. Logo by Hageman Creative. Find him on Instagram. Photo of Victoria Taft is by Hilly Collective. The Adult in the Room podcast is produced by Flamingo Road Studios. All rights reserved.